You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. Himself be our teacher as we dig deeper into this passage this morning. You can be seated. I just I gotta take a breath because I'm just one to just stay in that that moment we were just in, just lifting up the name of Jesus. We'll continue to do that um, as we look at that that passage of scripture and get into the Word a little bit more this morning. But man, August twelfth, two thousand nineteen, y'all, it went crazy. I didn't even know about it because here's how disconnected I am. I start seeing memes and pictures and posts all over my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, about Popeye's chicken sandwich. And I'm like, what is going on? I had no clue what was going on. All I know is all of a sudden there's these memes about Popeye's chicken sandwiches. And then I open up my Facebook. You know how Facebook has the marketplace thing where all that you can buy and sell, trade things. The first thing on the list, and I don't ever look at that, it just popped up on my feed, was in, in Winfield, Louisiana, an unopened Popeye's chicken sandwich for $45. Top bid, $45. I'm like, I tell Shelly, he's like, what's going on with Popeye's chicken sandwiches? I don't know. What are you talking about? So I, started, I had to research this to find out because I didn't know what was going on. Everybody else was in on this thing except for me, I guess. I started, I'm disconnected from this. So I found out on August 12th of this year, Popeye's rolled out this chicken sandwich. And they had an ad campaign planned to come after it was already out. So it was like just a not even big fanfare. It wasn't even a big like Popeye's chicken sandwich, boom, boom, pow. It was like we're going to put the chicken sandwich out, put it on our sign, put it in our ad in the paper. And then we'll roll out the rest of the TV and the social media and all that stuff. But what happened was, and as I've researched this, Chick-fil-A saw that they had a new chicken sandwich at Popeye's. And Chick-fil-A tweeted, good luck trying to beat the original. And somehow that turned into this, there's a war going on. So people had to go get the Popeye's chicken sandwich to find out. I didn't know what was going on. I, didn't, I, was, I had to research this to find out why this was such a big deal. And so Popeye's apparently sold out of their chicken sandwich, right? And I'm over here disconnected from the whole thing. I don't know what's going on. I actually, I actually have like stopped, trying to stop eating, I won't say completely, but I'm trying to stop eating fast food through the week. And only on Sunday I eat what I want. And I just had this craving for Popeye's chicken. And, and I didn't know about this chicken sandwich deal. And I'm like, it was late. It was, it was like in the evening. My family was home. They already had dinner, and I'm coming home from something I was, a, a activity I was at. And I'm like, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna get a. Th- I've been doing real good. I'm gonna get a three piece. <laughs> I pull up, and I see the line from all the way around Popeyes, almost to the highway. You guys know where Popeyes is out by the interstate. It's like all the way, almost to the highway. The line is wrapped around and through that little parking lot. And I'm like, nope. 
I ain't, I ain't waiting for that long for a three-piece. Ch- I mean, I'm good. I'll go home and eat a peanut butter sandwich. I don't know. So, but then I found out about the chicken sandwich. Like it was, and I was so disconnected from this whole deal. When do you experience a feeling of disconnection, like in your own life? When, when are some, some times or some moments you're like, man, I remember I feel disconnected at this time. What, what are some of those? Okay, you could feel disconnected from your family when you are a student, college student, away from home. That's why we love that this could be a home away from home. Like Awakened Church could have that's part of the vision God's given us for the unchurched and the displaced and college students fall right in there. So yeah, we can definitely feel disconnected from our home when we're, when we're away. Good, what else? Times or places you feel disconnected. Okay. Understand to them like why you like the music. Okay, so when you're a Christian, a lot of things that maybe you would listen to or are you into, or just just the fact you go to church, there's a disconnect with somebody who that's not part of their culture, their culture or part of their lifestyle, right? Okay, yeah, that's a, I experienced that quite a bit. Pastor, <laughs> total disconnect. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Anybody else? So t- times or, or like places where you just feel disconnected. I think that probably one of the most unfortunate things is in, in our culture is becoming more and more aware as people do studies and stuff is like church is a place is like a place where people are more and more feeling disconnected. And I'm like, it's supposed to be the the opposite of that. I mean, the church is called in in the scriptures, it's called a body. I mean, the body of Christ. It's called a family. It's called a flock. I mean, it's all these all these metaphors for church are all about connectedness. And yet we feel sometimes a lot, really a disconnect when it comes to church. So we're hoping to see that change and turn around in our, in our experience with Awakened Church. So we're in this series called Didn't See It Coming, and we're looking at some of life's biggest challenges. And it seems like everybody ex- experiences these challenges at one time or another, but we didn't see them coming. Like, we, we didn't know that it was going to be this way. So the themes in the, in the content of the series... Uh, some of the content, the, th- all the themes and some of the content are coming from this book. Uh, it's called Didn't See It Coming by Kerry Newhoff. He's a pastor um, and wrote this book last year, and I read it and kind of pitched it. We have a, a team that, that puts together the preaching calendar for the year, and I just kind of pitched the idea to them. And, and it was like God just led us to, to say, yeah, go ahead. And so I just want to tell you guys, um, we're just going to touch on some of the stuff that, that's like really, I want to say rocked my world, but really challenged me. Um, as a person, not just as a pastor or a Christian, but just as a person. Um, so I'd encourage you if you get a chance to get this book and read it, um, because it's got a lot more stuff and content that we can cover on a Sunday morning. And plus, our main content is going to come from the Bible, not from that book. So I would encourage you definitely to get that book as well. And if, and by the way, if you don't have this book, the Bible, read this one too. This is a really great book to, to read and to start with. So the thing is, nobody starts out this way. All these different things we're talking about, cynical proud, burned out. Nobody starts out that way, but here we are, and we didn't see it coming in one of these places. And the good news is you can do something about it. And that's where James chapter 5 is going to come in. We're going to come back to that passage and look at it in just a few minutes. But that's the good news. Whether you find yourself cynical or proud or burned out or like we're talking about today, disconnected, you can do something about it. So here's our big idea for today. In the process of connecting with others, you connect more fully with God and even connect more with yourself. It's con- it's the, I want to use the word, it's all connected. 
as we connect with each other in our human experience, we connect more fully with God, and then we find ourselves actually more connected with who we are, with ourselves. So here's the first idea I kind of want to just hang out in for a minute, and it's, it's this. The more connected we are, the more lonely we feel. That's just it's kind of a, an idea that just seems to just ring true for me as I look around our culture and actually read some of the studies being done. The more connected we are, the more lonely we feel. Actually, there was a study done by UCLA, and it was on this loneliness by generations. And so if we're looking at this uh, from, from the study that UCLA did, the loneliness study, that Gen Z, and I don't know if you're familiar with all these terms, but Generation Z is basically, they're saying, probably 10 up to 22. That's and again, the, the, the ages are, are always like subjective one way or another, a few years off. But 10 to 22 is Gen Z. So that's, that's some of us in this room, actually, um, bit into that, that generation. And that this generation is reported by their study 48.6% lonely. That's almost half. And if you're in that generation, I see some heads nodding, some, some, some folks that would, would kind of fit right in kind of in that age group. It's like, you know some people probably who just deal with this. Like, anxiety because they feel alone or nobody understands or and I don't even understand and I feel like we talked about just my parent my family's home and I can't I can't really I can talk to them but it's not the same as them being here and even when I do talk to them they don't really understand you know it's like so we feel this disconnectedness right then it goes to Millennials which are give or take again a couple years age that are right now ages 23 to 36 again that's that's part of who we are at Awaken Church uh, and they say that 45.3% are lonely. So it's still really high. It's actually still almost 50%. And they're saying that this is the most connected generation ever. If you think about social media and smartphones and the stuff that, that we have, tablets, and all the ways that we're connected to the entire world, and they're saying this generation is more connected than any generation before, and yet the studies are showing, such as this one, that these generations are feeling more lonely more disconnect. Then they also went to baby boomers, which is the generation actually older, a little bit older than mine, age 55 to 75, give or take a couple of years either way, and that 42.4% are lonely. So it's still kind of high, but it's, it's very significantly lower than those, these younger generations. And then they, actually, I didn't, I, didn't put the, I didn't put the numbers up here for, for Christian to put up there, but they did one like the elderly, which is 75 and over, and it actually went down even more. And we kind of have this idea as people get to the elderly age, like 75 and older, that that's when they're really lonely because you start to, like, you lose your spouse and you go, you, you go through life and all the people your same age start to pass away. And, and so there's this idea that that's the most lonely age. But actually they're finding through these studies that those folks feel less lonely than the ones who are much younger. Now here's the thing that stood out to me. There's a generation they didn't even include in the study. Generation X. That's my generation. My gener I was like, where's Generation X in this study? They didn't have it. And uh, Generation X are those who are between, you know, the late 30s and, and early 50s. That's where I'm, I'm at. Generation X. Grew, the eight, we grew up in the 80s. That's us. And it's like we grew up Generation X. The big thing about Generation X was we're invisible. Nobody ever pays attention to us. Nobody, nobody, we're not, you know, and here we are going, they did this study, didn't even include us. How disconnected do you think we feel? I mean, we're disconnected from the entire thing, right? So think about your own self, though, as we're talking about these, these ages and, and over time. Do you feel more connected or more disconnected than you were five years ago? Or maybe think about if you're old enough, ten years ago. Do you feel more connected or do you feel more lonely, more alone? 
Well, we're into about 10 years of what we could call the smartphone era. I mean, it's really only been about a decade that the smartphone has been a thing. Um, like a real, like a thing where everybody's got it, right? And so the average person, they say, has about 500 friends on social media. Some of us are above average, I know. And mine's intentional. I, I, I'm intentionally uh, trying to reach out on social media. But with all the apps we have at our fingertips, we know things we didn't know that we wanted to know. And actually, we probably know some things we didn't want to know. Memes are a good example of that. Um, did you put the memes up to the Chick-fil-A earlier? Yeah. Go ahead and put it up real quick, because this is what blew my mind. This is the first thing I saw. Chick-fil-A never runs out of sandwiches because they only need five halves of loaves of bread and two chicken to feed 5,000 people. Biblical inventory management. Of course, the joke is Chick-fil-A is God's favorite because they close on Sunday. I don't know about that. I'm not going like, to affirm that, but that's pretty funny. Then this, I thought this other one was really funny, too. It's um, the, the cheerleaders. Chick-fil-A and the Popeyes are all sad and the Chick-fil-A are all happy. You guys know them, right? What's uh, uh, bring it on and it has been brought in and that was they they brought it on. Yeah. So I thought those were there, there's other ones that that were out there that you probably saw. But but they have this these these are at our fingertips and we didn't even know. Like for me, I didn't know I needed to know about Popeye's chicken sandwich selling out, but apparently I did because it's all over the place here. So the studies are showing we're feeling more emptiness and disconnection than than ever. And here's the thing, it reveal what it's revealing to us is one of our deepest needs that we're created with is to be known. One of our deepest needs that, that's in our DNA as human beings is to be known. The thing we're discovering, though, the more connected you seem through technology, the more disconnected we're feeling. So like the more people that we know through social media, the less we feel like really know us. That's, that's kind of what these studies are showing. And, and I can kind of find myself, I, I've experienced that. And it's like that we feel less and less known by anyone, even ourselves. Because what happens is, I, and I love the idea of, um, of how I've heard it put, Instagram is your highlight reel. But you begin to like, I don't have anything to put on. I don't have any highlights, or I don't have a good enough highlight. Or, or, and, and then you start to do everybody else's highlight reel. You know it in your, in your brain, but in your heart, you're like, that's their whole life. Their whole life is one big highlight reel. And we start to feel more disconnected. So we're even experiencing this in the church world. Because in the church world, we're in this culture, in our culture at least, Western culture, United States, that there's those who just are deciding to watch a worship gathering instead of physically be at a worship gathering. We love the folks who actually join us online. We love you. We would love to find ways to connect with you even deeper um, and, and minister to you and have you feel like you're actually a part of Awakened Church other than just, just simply attending online. But what's happening is people are, as they're choosing to not plug into a local congregation, but actually just, I prefer just to be a worship alone and learn alone, is you're struggling with feeling alone and left out at the same time. It's like, I do what I, I'm doing, it, doing this because I prefer it this way, but at the same time, just struggling with feeling like I don't connect, I don't fit in anywhere. So one recent study I heard actually said that 54, 54% of Americans say, no one knows me really well. And you know, I would say there's, I have a lot of friends, but I'd say there is a, there's a few people that know me really well. I mean, and my, for, but, but over half are saying nobody. Nobody knows me really well. We live in this world where you can have 500 friends and still feel isolated and alone. It's that isolation. Now, solitude is a gift from God. 
Solitude is good. Solitude is where you can find peace and healing and restoration for your soul and your brain. You need to have solitude and rest. But isolation is a tool of the enemy. Because in isolation is when you feel the darkness and the coldness and the loneliness. So, so while solitude is great, isolation destroys. The more connected we become, the more isolated we become. And the more connected we are, the more lonely we feel. But here's a good uh, thing for us to take, of right, uh, take note of right now. It's more than a tech problem. It's a human problem. It's more than, can't you can't just blame, oh, well, it's all the technology. If you just get rid of all that, all that, uh, I don't want to say the word that my dad would say. But, well, my dad's a preacher. He wouldn't say a bad word. But he'd probably say junk or mess. He means crap. Well, <laughs> that's the word I wasn't going to say, but I did. Like, take all that off your phone. Scoobalon. Get the scoobalon off your head. Now, but those who think people don't listen and pay attention in church, I gave you a Greek word a month ago, at least six weeks ago, and they still know scoobalon. It means, well, refuse, garbage, dung. There you go. So yeah, get that off your phone. Now, 1980, which isn't the which isn't the the answer because it's a human problem, not a tech problem, not just a tech problem. In 1983, there's a song, and it's, uh, it was sung by a guy named Rick Springfield. Anybody heard of Rick Springfield? No, probably a couple of us older folks have. The song's called Human Touch, and here's just a sampling of the lyrics. 1983, everybody's talking to computers. They're all dancing to a drum machine. I know, I know I'm living on the outside, scared of getting caught between. I'm so cool and calculated, alone in the modern world. I sit so snug and isolated, alone in the modern world. I'm so scared and isolated in the modern world. We all need the human touch. We all need it, and I need it too. And I'm like, it sounds like this song was written today. <laughs> it was written in 1983. Because wow. this is like so, like, this is what happens when we get isolated. We just feel alone, and we need the human touch. In such a connected culture, why do we feel so disconnected? It's not just a technology problem, it's a human problem. So if you were to go to the very beginning of the story, the beginning of the Bible, the Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, it tells this, the story that this, this disconnectedness, uh, this, this being prone to being disconnected, has been around since the beginning. In the story, the, there's characters, Adam and Eve, and they have all things. All things are at their fingertips. And everything is connected. Everything is connected. And we see in the story, sin enters into their lives, and then they hide. A disconnection happens. It's part of the human, uh, part of the human heart, I guess, that, that in this story we see the same thing we're dealing with that, that social media seems to be amplifying. It goes all the way back to then. Sin enters into life. There's a heart issue. They go their own way instead of God's way, and they disconnect. There's a disconnect that happens. This problem has existed long before modern tech. Technology just reveals what's already in the heart. Technology just reveals and amplifies what's in the heart. I heard somebody say, you know, I can't believe somebody is such an idiot on Twitter. And the answer is, well, if they're an idiot in real life, Twitter's just going to give them a bigger audience, right? <laughs> <laughs> so when we, when we step back, <laughs> are you snapping over there? <laughs> Uh, when we step back from technology for just a minute and check the condition of our hearts, we can see a couple of things that seem to be at the heart of the problem. A couple of places that seem to be, have, have died or are dying. And one is the death of conversation. The death of, of conversation. Look at James 5.13. It says, Are any of you suffering? You should pray. Now what is pray, prayer? It's a conversation with God. 
And we, we talk about this sometimes because we talk about prayer a lot of times as this, oh, only the pastor can do that, or only the youth leader, or only the worship leader can. And it's like, no, prayer is for us to have a conversation with God. And it's not just saying, dear God, give me. There's time and place for that. <laughs> but it's a conversation. It's, it's speaking. It's also listening. It's a, it's a connection with God. It's conversation. And so it says, you should pray. Then it goes on. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Again, singing praises is just another type of carrying on a conversation. You're so good. You're singing. You're talking to God. You know what it says? He does. God abides in the praises of his people. That means he comes and sets up camp, sets up his, like his house. He comes and lives. Like there's a conversation that takes place. We praise God and he comes and, and just abides with us. And there's a conversation that's going on, a type of conversation. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come pray over you. Calling for the elders of the church to pray over you. Conversation. Brother, sister, come pray over me. Let's have a conversation about what's going on in my life. So we've lost the art of the back and forth. That's what conversation is, the back and forth. Because these days, it seems like mostly our conversations are, if I ask someone a question, they just start talking. And they just start answering. And they don't ever ask me a question back. And if I'm not careful, I catch myself doing that. Someone asked me, how's it going over at Awaken Church? And, oh, and I start going. And I start telling them. And then I'm like, you know, 30 minutes later, and I can see they're bored. But I'm like, but I ain't finished telling them. And I hadn't even got to Quentin yet. Quentin, you got, you got to hear about this young man. <laughs> and I got to be like, you know what? How's things with you? Tell me about, you know, that's a conversation back and forth. And it's like we've lost the art of the conversation because a lot of times our, our conversations I've had just kind of start to sound like a Twitter rant. This goes on and on and on and on. So maybe the death of conversation is due to that we all feel alone and that loneliness needs us to the death of that art of the back and forth. And we need to recapture that. Another one is the death of confession. We have the death of conversation, the back and forth, but also the death of confession. James 5.16, remember, says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And what... 2019 church does this happen I mean maybe there's there's one group that goes to confession and they'll take their their confession to one person in a, in a in a room or a booth and there's occasions when we might go to someone that we consider a, a spiritual authority in our lives pastor priest uh, preacher guru whatever term you have and we might confess something to them in, in confidentiality. But this isn't about those moments, is it? When we read James 5, he's like, you go to the church, you confess to each other the things going on in your life. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confession means agreement. The word confess means agreement, like I'm in agreement with you. So we are con confession is just coming into agreement that, that I'm at fault here. <laughs> like I, there's something happening in my life and I, did, I, I made it happen. It's my fault. I did this. But we live in a culture where we're increasingly we're not responsible for anything. I don't know if anybody else notices this, but it's like everybody else, it's everybody else's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my spouse's fault. It's my, the way I was brought up, my, my parents' fault. It's the economy. <laughs> Anybody remember this one? For, for, a, for a long time, it was always, man, I got a flat tire. Thanks, Obama. Anybody remember that craziness? <laughs> and it was like, it's not my fault. It was really. 
And then I was like, you know, there's a hurricane. Well, what Trump do now? It's the same thing. I mean, it just doesn't matter who the president is. It's always like their fault for everything. That's kind of the, the idea that we're at here. Personally, I blame the Nargles. <laughs> a little Harry Potter thing for you guys. Oh. Let's do that out there for the Harry Potter friends. So most of the time, most of the time, we play the I'm a victim card. And I, I was, I'm, a, I'm probably as guilty as anybody. It's not my fault. I I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a victim here. And, and confession is supposed to be part of the church. So how do we tend to do confession as Christians? At home, alone, in that one, what, that one moment, right? Man, I just really feel like I need to tell God I'm sorry. And we do that. And there's confession. When was the last time you heard somebody say, like in church, or in small group, or in Sunday school, man, I did this, and I'm so sorry. I, I looked at this. I, I went and did that. I'm so sorry. That's happened. Actually, what's kind of cool about this family, that's actually happened a couple times. That someone's come and said, guys, I, this has happened in my life, and I'm so sorry about this. And there's you know, consequences are happening, but, but I want you to know I'm, I'm going to go the right direction now. And there's always grace. There's mercy there for that. And we can pray together. You can't pray. Nobody can pray for the things you're going through and struggling with if you never confess that you need prayer. Man, that's one of the things that gets me. It's like, man, I wish, I just feel so alone out of them struggling with this thing. It's like, man, you've got a whole family that's here to pray for you and lift you up together, not to judge you, not to condemn you, but to walk with you and to offer help and to pray. So let's pray. So it's more than a tech problem. It's a human problem. And then... We need to find some kind of solution, I think. Start to look for a solution. And we, need, we may need to disconnect to reconnect. That may be what needs to happen. We may need to disconnect so we can reconnect. One, time, one season of Lent, and Lent is basically 40 days leading up to Easter, for those who don't know what Lent is. Um, I can explain it to you further, those who don't know at some other point. But, but for Lent, I gave up social media for Lent. Anybody ever tried that? At first it was hard because I, I, I got an addiction to it, just probably like most, some of us do. We don't want to use that word, but it's like every few minutes, like, oh, I've got to check my, got to check this app, got to check that app. Did anybody like my my picture? Did anybody you know, comment on, did, who, who left GIFs on my little thing I put up on Friday, or GIFs, sorry, GIFs, uh, for, on my thing I put up on Friday. You're like, oh, these are funny. Like, it's, I get that, right? But I gave it up for Lent, so for 40 days. And I got to, I'll tell you, honest to, honest to goodness, during that season, I felt clean. There was, there was something about not going there every time. And every time I thought about checking Facebook or Twitter or whatever, I would stop and I'd say, Lord, I'm going to take this time right now and just say, I just want to connect with you on a deeper level. And that was all it took. And I found myself like having more in-depth conversations with my family and with people around me. I felt like I was a better husband and a better father and a better pastor and a better friend. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of need to do that from time to time. So now I do. I take some time and I do breaks. And when I do, I always feel that same. I just kind of feel clean. It's interesting taking a break from social media and you can just feel clean. <laughs> it's so good. When could you put tech aside in order to connect with others around you? Start to process that. So looking back at verse 14, because there's something interesting. I don't want to leave it without, without touching on it. It says, are any of you sick? 
You could call. You, you should call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. That's 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 pretty pretty heavy stuff when we, when we like sit there and think about. Whoa, wow, praying and healing and forgiveness of sin. Even I mean, is that how does that work? So we pretty much know what it means to be sick, right? In our English word sick, <coughs> sick. You know, we got that. The thing is, this was not written in English. This part of the Bible was written in Greek. Uh, James was originally written in Greek. And when we go back and like track down the word that translates into sick in, in English, it's the word kemno. Let me hear you say kemno. Uh, you said it better than I did, probably. So, but it literally, it, it means to. It's part of it is being physically sick, but it goes beyond that. It's it's it refers to a the it refers to more than a medical condition. This word kemno means to toil. To struggle, it really it means to wrestle, like to wrestle, like get you know put the, something's got a headlock on you and it's got it's bearing in on your jaw and you feel like your jaw's about to break. You may ever put, been put in a headlock like a real headlock? I have, and I was like, you, I'm tapping out because this. Well, I was, it, I, you know, I was embarrassed to have to tap out to this young man to put me in a headlock, but my jaw, man, I felt like it was on a break. This word means to wrestle like that with something. It means you're worn out and you're weary. Are any of you worn out and weary? Call on the elders of the church to pray for you. Are any of you struggling with something? Call on the elders of the church to pray for you. Are you in a bad place? Just call and, call and connect with the elders of the church to come pray for you. So then that brings us to this question for this church plant. Who are the elders at Awakened Church, right? Okay, this is good for, this is good for big church. <laughs> but what about in this context? This kind of, we're still just getting started kind of context. Well, the word elders, when it's like, depending on what tradition or denomination you go, you're a part of, the word kind of is used all over the place in churches. So you can go to one church and an elder means one thing, and you go to another church and an elder means something else. Because a lot of times you hear the word elder, you just think of somebody who's elderly, right? Like, oh, the older folks are supposed to pray for the younger folks. What happens when the older, fo- the oldest person there needs prayer? Who does he go to? So that's not really going to work for us. Although the word elder tip really does come from a word that a word that means white beard. I mean, that's where you get this idea of of, of elder being elderly is because the word originally comes from a word that means white beard. And I get this image of like an elderly guy with a long white beard, and he's probably got a staff, basically Gandalf. He's there like, to give you, to pray for you. Um, it, but the word means the exact same thing. It's a different word, but it means the same thing as pastor and shepherd. Pastor, shepherd, elder. These words, in the, in, when you go back to the Greek meanings, they all mean the same thing. It's a leadership. It's, it's somebody who basically, are in, in the first churches, they were the ones who established the churches. The ones who began these churches. They were the elders who helped uh, begin the churches and they would teach others the way of Jesus. So if you were part of the, the group that started the churches and you did your part to help teach others the way of Jesus, you were the elders. That's who it was referring to. Most churches today have a board or a team of elders. And, uh, we're, and, and the role of that varies, again, by tradition and denomination. So at Awaken, we haven't gotten to the point yet of, of having that. And actually, I have a good friend who has a church plant in Stonewall in, in uh, DeSoto Parish. And their church plant is 10 years, or actually 13 years old now. It was 10 years old when we came here. 13 years old. They, have, they, they run about 75 to 80 people. They still don't have a board, a board or team of elders. So who are the elders there? 
the team, the <laughs> elders there are like here. They're the people who have to establish the thing, and, and they, they help teach others the way of Jesus. So for here, we don't we don't necessarily have a board or team of elders yet. We have a board of directors. That's a whole separate deal. That's a group of pastors and, and leaders. Uh, there's like six of them. They're from different churches all around the state, part of our network. They serve as my accountability and support for whatever we need. They pray and help raise funds and stuff with us and for us. They're there for that, and they make sure that, you know, I'm not down here starting some cult. That's, that's, that's like kind of their job, right? And, and we, need, we need that. We need accountability. We need somebody to answer to. But at the elders at Awaken, who are the elders? I mean, if, who am I supposed to pray? Who am I supposed to call to pray for me? You, pastor? Absolutely. I'll pray for you. And I have some of you guys. Elders at Awaken are those who are leading by serving, and willing to invest in others by praying with them when they're struggling. Some of y'all sitting here going, wait a minute. That means I'm an elder. Yep. Maybe you didn't even know it. An elder is not an, an office you get voted into. It's where the Holy Spirit places you. You're there to serving. You lead by serving, and you're willing to invest in others by praying for those who are struggling. So here's where confession comes into the mix as we get ready to kind of bring this home. When was the last time you confessed your sin to someone else? I'm going to ask you to do it right now, no. <laughs> but, but think about it. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you saw that happen? We're supposed to talk about this stuff. It's in community when we confess to each other, and in community we find connectedness. And it's in that connectedness of community and confession that we find healing. That, that, that one thing that we just keep hiding, and we hope it goes away, but it never does. Confession destroys anxiety. Confession builds connection and conversation. We see Awaken as, you know, this is kind of what part of the vision is to grow bigger here. Yeah, absolutely. But to multiply by then going into during the week into smaller groups where we sit in circles. We use that word circle for our, our Bible study that happens during the week. And we're, the goal is like, hey, we want to have more than just one. The pastor leads a Bible study, call it Wednesday night church. No, the goal is to have like places, homes or wherever people can meet, multiple places where you can have, you know, five, 10, 12 people who sit together in a circle, read some scripture, get into the word, but definitely confess to each other. And in the, in the you know, confidentiality of that circle, share the prayers, the, the, the things you're struggling with, those burdens. Are any of you sick? Are any of you having a hard time? Are any of you struggling? Are you wrestling? With, does life have you in a headlock? And pray for each other. That's, that's the vision we have for this. And so we're praying that God would, would lead us kind of in that direction. Well, actually, he's leading us in that direction. We're praying we would be faithful to follow him in that direction as well. So we deal with disconnection when we connect and when we confess. What do I do about this disconnected feeling I have? It's a little bit different than emptiness. We're actually going to come back in a couple of weeks to emptiness and talk about that kind of thing that happens we didn't see coming. Disconnect leads to that. How do I deal with the disconnect? Connect and confess. Connect in real time. In real time. Get an accountability partner or get, or get in a circle. We have one Wednesday night right now, and it's still it's a definite Bible study discipleship group, but it's also a place and a time when we can get together and confess and pray together. Don't let fear steal your joy, the joy of living fully connected to God and to each other. So it's in the process of connecting with others. You connect more fully with God and even more fully with yourself. 
for next steps, a couple of practical things I think it's helped me and it could be something that helps you. First step is I would say slow down. I know you're saying some of you, <laughs> yeah, right, Pastor Steve, slow down, right? <laughs> you've got to, you've got, to, you've got to, you got, you got to schedule the slow down. <laughs> if you, if you're that, I mean, I've been, I've been there. I have like a week, like last week, I had to schedule a slow down. Slow down, because love has a speed, and the speed of love is slower than the pace of your life. Slow down. Second step, let's say, is unplug. Unplug. Maybe just for an hour, one day a week. Maybe that's a place to start. Where's an hour in your day you can unplug from even meaningful technology? Like even that, you know, you, you, I got to connect with this because that's, that's part of my job. Where's an hour you can disconnect? Where? And unplug. And the third step is listen. Listen. Because love offers full focus and it gives far more than it takes. That's what love does. Love gives far more than it takes. And if you listen longer, if you listen longer than most people listen, because I find myself, somebody's talking and they're telling me, and I'll start tuning out. Because I'm used to watching a video. And if it don't get me in 20 seconds, I'm going to go to the next video. And if the next one don't get me in, I'm like, if the good stuff happens in three minutes, somebody better put in like the first comment, go to three minutes. Or else I'm never going to see it. And I start catching myself doing that in conversations. Okay, well, when that's done, I'm going to go talk to John. And I'll start thinking about what I'm going to talk to John about. You know, And they're still talking. <laughs> listen. Because if you listen longer than most people listen, you'll hear stuff that most people never hear. <laughs> yeah. Reflect on this. How can I slow down, unplug, and listen, and make a plan? What I want us to do is... The guys are going to come up and, and uh, like we all, we're going to end with some song and worship. But before we can like enter into singing the song, I want everybody, except for the band, uh, stay seated and just like just meditate on this. What can I do to unplug this week? What can I do to disconnect so that I can reconnect? Where is a where is a time in my week where I can take? If I don't have, if I can't do an hour, where's thirty minutes that I can take and schedule? I'm going to turn off my phone. Ooh scary isn't it turn off the phone Ooh, not at work when I'm doing something else but just when I can just absolutely be quiet and just be with God and be disconnected from everything else for a minute so as they, they play the song get ready to lead us and, and Zach will tell us when when we want to stand and sing but just I want you just to think about how can I reconnect this week Lord we want to reconnect with you and I'm just going to lead us into that through uh, this is a time of prayer and just as our response today, Lord, we, wanna, we want to take next steps. And that may mean for us to, to unplug, slow down, and listen. But, Lord, we don't do that. So we're confessing to you, Lord, we're in agreement with you that we need to do that. And that we need your strength and your wisdom and your discernment to help us know when and how to do that. It's going to look different probably for everybody in this room. So what works for me may not work for somebody else. Those watching online right now, Lord, they, what works for, for, for me may not work for them. Lord, I pray that we would all find our, our, our time and our place where we can disconnect from everything else that's got our attention. And just let our focus come back to you and the relationships that matter most. And Lord, and two, keeping ourselves healthy. So that we can live connected the way we were created to live. 
We no longer want to hide from you. And we thank you that it is in the power of the resurrection we no longer have to hide from you. But Lord, we can walk with you the way we were created to. And God, I want that. I want that for all of us. So Lord, help us to disconnect so we can reconnect. We ask you, Lord, to show us in this, this quiet moment of how we can do that. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.